1: Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week Fiji announced their Rugby World Cup squad, Samoa's Women's Sevens team miss out on the World Series, and we look ahead to the first round of Oceania World Cup football qualifiers. But first the Samoa Rugby Union and Players Collective have signed an historic agreement setting out their desire and willingness to work together moving forward in the interests of Samoan Rugby. The agreement is a first between a Tier 2 union and its elite players, with both parties committing to increased communication, transparency and consultation on issues that affect players. Josh Blackie from the International Rugby Players Association says the agreement was the result of eight months of hard work.
2: As we went down this track, you know, the Samoan Rugby Union probably understood a lot more what was required and to be honest they've been fantastic at engaging with the players and going through this process to where we are now and I think both parties are pretty proud of what we've achieved and I guess it's just the start though there's a lot of hard work to go on now to ensure that you know we all stay on track and, and are accountable to each other and do what's best for some on rugby
1: so there's all these sort of bullet points increased communication transparency consultation on key issues the insurance the player release which is always a biggie especially in a world cup year agreements over fees for for camps and games and you know that was uh, something that you know the players were concerned about as well. Um, so these are all sort of things that they say. Yes, we agree on this, but how how does each party hold the each other accountable to make sure that these things do happen?
2: I think going on the model that you know most of the professional tier one teams have had probably for the last decade or you know since uh, they become professional, it's more a sort of you know recorded objectives around how both parties want to work together and make sure they they're all singing off the same song sheet, I guess. In terms of the Samoa environment, it's fairly unique in terms of, you know, most of the players are based overseas playing in other people's competitions. And there's always a struggle around getting players available to play and making sure there's certainty around how they get paid and the environment that they're actually stepping into. So we did a lot of work on probably clarifying both parties' expectations around that whole process and how we thought it could look in a perfect sense and then, you know, work back from there to make sure that we could establish an environment, I guess, that had transparency and people were accountable to each other around a recorded set of objectives. So we're not saying we've got it 100% right, but it's a starting point and you know, it gives us something to review at the end of this year and then um, you know, hopefully we'll keep building on it for the years to come.
1: With the concerns that happened last year on the end-of-season tour where the players didn't feel that some of their concerns were being heard by the uh, SAU, is it fair to say that this sort of agreement, a big part of it was the players feeling they have that acknowledgement that the concerns that they may or may not have are at least being listened to, and that they can come together and actually constructively, you know, talk about those issues.
2: Yes, yeah, there's no respect between the parties. You know, it's going to affect performance, and obviously, it's going to affect, I guess, the whole brand of the federation or all the, the players as well. So. That's probably the starting point, is just having a respectful partnership between the players and the union, so that everyone, I guess, can get on and concentrate on on what's important, rather than worrying about backroom stuff.
1: And so this is a historic agreement for a Tier 2 nation. As you say, it's common amongst Tier 1. Pippa, you guys deal with obviously Tonga and Fiji as well. Uh, You know, is there a likelihood that this could be expanded? We could have similar things pop up there in the near future? PIPA
2: is certainly a player league organisation and the, both the Timers and the Fijians Dunes have uh, players have indicated to us that you know they'd like to move along similar lines. I can't say it's, a, it's an easy process to go down and, and I, I guess it's a case of when the timing's right in terms of that engagement and there's a willingness from both sides to go down that track then um, we can look at it. But... There's definite appetite from the players to go down that path and I guess it's just doing the work with the national unions to make sure they understand what is required and I think aligning
1: interest is a big thing. That's Josh Blackie from the International Rugby Players Association. The Flying Fijians squad to the Rugby World Cup was confirmed last week with star man Namani Nandolo making a welcome return and Napoleone Nalanga missing out. Acapulco Nguera captains the 31-strong team, who will face a daunting challenge to advance from the so-called pool of death, alongside England, Australia, Wales and Uruguay. Head coach John McKee says the countdown to the World Cup is now very much on.
3: With the name of the squad, it really clear sign we've entered the next phase of our, our preparation. Yeah, it doesn't increase the focus and the intensity around what we're doing.
1: You've been in camp, I think, for a week. What did you notice in the lead up to that squad announcement with the players that you've obviously had them coming back now from the Pacific Nations Cup and uh, preparing for that tournament?
3: Oh, a lot of competition with players wanting to make sure that they made the cut, but also, you know, very pleasing for me that the energy the players brought to training. You know, we had quite high volume days on a couple of days, but, you know, they really backed up in the, in the second and third sessions on those days, and I think, you know, it's really going to pay off for us when we get to Rugby World Cup.
1: Injury aside did any of the performances in camp change who you had in that final squad?
3: Probably more confirmed things you know we, we' talked about things before, but I don't think that it changed our mind, but certainly confirmed that our thinking was on the right track.
1: To have namani Nandolo back in your team uh, having missed the nation's cup uh, must be a welcome uh, addition.
3: namani Nandolo is an important part of our setup, and you know he was in fantastic form in super rugby, so we're hoping. He carries that on to rugby World Cup. Very good to see him back.
1: And is did he just miss out, or is he going to be OK? He's obviously on the non-travelling reserves. I know he's, he hit on, he's, on the,
3: he's on the reserves. If we were playing a test match this week, he wouldn't be available, but he's got a little bit of a niggle to one of his knees. Nothing major, but really probably meant that he wasn't going to be selected.
1: But uh, if someone did get injured, he'd probably by not, midway through the yeah. World Cup, he'd probably be fine. Yeah, even for the start of the World Cup, if someone got injured in the lead-up, he'd, he'd be fine. Fourteen players backing up from the 2011 tournament, out of 31, so quite a good mix of experience in terms of World Cups and, and also some new faces. And I guess some of those other 17 players have also been a part of the national team for a while as well now.
3: Experience is important in those players who were there last time, but also you know we've had the core of this team really since I've been in charge uh, on all the assemblies. So this is really our, our fourth campaign now. That's important going forward, you know, that we're really developing our game, every assembly, and I think we're really, everyone's quite clear now on on the way we need to play the game.
1: How tough were some of those final decisions?
3: It's actually good to have hard choices to make because it means you've got some good depth. It's always difficult, you know, selecting a team when you can't select everyone you want, sometimes you wish you could take 32 or 33 to try to get everyone in, but limited to 31, so you have to uh, draw the line.
1: And obviously you're in campo working on your own game at the moment before you head to the UK. That first game coming up ever fast is, of course, uh, the opening match of the tournament against England. At this stage, have you started to think about them yet, or is it still very much about yourselves?
3: Probably it's a bit of both. I mean, I think we're starting with the players now to start to introduce some specific around those games in the tournament. As coaches, we've spent a lot of time looking at the opposition and what we need to do. And as you know, with the playing group concentrating more on our game, you know what we do need to be careful of going up there because we've got a number of big games that we need to spread our emphasis across them all, not use up too much emotional energy on the first game, and then find you know we have to back up against Australia five days later and be emotionally spent. So we need to divide it into two little groups. I think you know we, we focus on those first two games, and then we focus on the, on the Wales and the Uruguay game.
1: With that pool of death, as it's known, I mean, obviously it's something you've known for a while now, but is it something that you think might really motivate the players? Is it easy to get up for these big games at the big tournament like that and, you know, a chance to have everyone watching?
3: There's the chance that maybe some of the other teams have got their, their eyes on each other and not so much on us, but I think after the after Pacific Nations Cup, they'll certainly be looking at us as well. For our players, you know, it's not hard to get up for those games. From previous experience, you know, the boys really rise to the big occasion and, and, you know, the challenges of, you know, meeting England at Twickenham and Wales at Millennium and, you know, Australia there at Millennium as well. I mean, the, the the boys really rise to those occasions.
1: Have you guys got any matches prior to the first one once you get over there? Any warm-ups?
3: Yes, we're going to play Canada on September the 6th, so we'll we get up there next week and then we'll, we'll train and we'll go into a match cycle. We'll play Canada as our last tune-up game for Rugby World Cup.
1: That's Fiji rugby coach John McKee. Next week marks the start of the long road for Oceania countries attempting to qualify for the 2018 Football World Cup in Russia. The first phase is being held in Nuku'alofa with hosts Tonga competing with Samoa, Cook Islands and American Samoa for a spot in next year's second qualifying round. Drew Sherman is a Welshman who arrived in the Cook Islands in March to take up the role as technical director and national head coach in time for the qualifying campaign.
4: I was a youth player at Swansea City and you know, played in the UK and then came across you know, and worked my way into coaching and I've worked in uh, Premier League clubs like Aberton and, and, and other pro clubs uh Wolves, uh, and most recently I was in the academy at
1: Southampton. And now, of course, you find yourself in the Cook Islands uh, in the Pacific. Obviously a a big qualifying tournament coming up for you guys in Tonga starting next week. Um, What has your preparation been like for that?
4: We're in a training camp at the moment over in Auckland. Uh, We've got quite a few New Zealand-based players in the squad. We've had two training camps before this one, again, both of them in Auckland, and we've managed to get a group of 20 players being based in the Cook Islands, uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, and we're just in the, in the process of trying to bring them together as a team to work cohesively when, when it comes to the first game on, uh, on Monday
1: against Tonga. Tonga, of course, had a match against Fiji uh, last week. Uh, American Samoa are yeah. playing Fiji in a, a day or two's time as well. What sort of uh, match play have you guys been able to get or, or, or got coming up uh, before you head to Tonga?
4: Well, we play New Zealand-based clubs predominantly the we the, on our last training camp we had two fixtures we got one warm up game again against another New Zealand based club we will be putting into place our playing style and i working on how the uh, the things we've worked on can be implemented in the games so yeah we haven't played international opposition I think uh, at this stage it's most of our, our homework has been done in terms of video analysis and looking at the games like the, the you know the, the the Tonga game against Fiji last week keeping an eye on how American Samoa do so we're prepared and we can organise our team to play in a way that will hopefully mean we're prepared to win.
1: So you've been able to get some footage of that game last week?
4: Yeah, well, getting footage is, d- is difficult. We've had some match reports on how the team did and the, the line-up and the style of play and which time played, and then a couple of highlights packages which we've been sent over. So, yeah, we've got a little bit of footage, but it's difficult because there's not a massive amount of coverage on the island nations to get footage.
1: What would you say your spin is since you've come into this team? Have you uh, changed match up style-wise in terms of your influence and your background on the Cook Islands team? What can we expect in terms of playing style?
4: For us, it's important to embrace the the culture of the Cook Islands and, and play a style of football that, you know, represents the people there. So it's been, for me, a learning curve, understanding what the countries like culturally uh, and then just sort of applying the professionalism that I've experienced working in, in Premier League clubs and the professional attitude that I've got from having worked in the UK, bringing that across and making sure that our internal standards are as high as possible,
1: really. This event is the first round of Oceania qualifying. Um so you've got three other teams up against you. Uh, you know what are your expectations? Obviously, you want to win and continue on with your progress. Uh, how confident are you of doing so?
4: So I think we've got a good group of players. Our success will be determined by how well we can bring them together and how well they work together as a group, because of the nature of where they're based and getting them to work together. I think success for us is giving a good account of ourselves, both in terms of the way in which we play and how well we execute that, but also you know, doing better than we have done previously. We've not been successful at this stage in the last two campaigns. We finished bottom last time around, but we're hopeful. I mean, you know, we're aiming to qualify. That's, that's the aim. If we didn't think we could realistically do it, then there wouldn't be any point in sending a team and preparing in way, the way which we have. We're aware that there's three other teams with exactly the same expectation and it's going to be tough for, for each
1: of us. That is the Cook Islands men's national football coach, Drew Sherman. The Samoa women's seven team have missed out on a place in the World Series after a disappointing performance at the qualifying tournament in Dublin. The Manusina lost to Wales, Brazil, Japan and Colombia before beating Mexico to avoid the wooden spoon. Team manager Tolia Fowa Mara Hunter says it was an eye-opening experience.
0: Seeing the level of competition and the level of fitness and skills that most of the teams have reached, it's safe to say that we can understand why we haven't done so well. It's just been incredible how far some of these teams and some of these women have pushed themselves in terms of fitness and skills. It's always difficult to encourage uh, players from the island to try hard in terms of uh, fitness, skills and so forth. But seeing it firsthand, they absolutely realise it's a completely different level that uh, we're at now with women's rugby sevens, particularly with all the big countries vying for medals in the um, Olympics.
1: So how do you get better?
0: Well, back to the drawing board, I think more match play. And more credible match play with stronger teams is definitely something we have to do. It's it's going to be difficult because it means us having to go overseas to that level of play. But as well as that, our high-performance people back home in Samoa, I think I've got to lift the game too. The kind of levels of fitness that these ladies are now operating at, are far, far higher than what we've ever gotten close to in the islands. And I don't know about Fiji, but they're doing a bit better, but certainly for Samoa, it's been enlightening for us. Uh, it's good to see, you know, women get out there and, and really push the limits in terms of fitness in order for us to even um, compete at the world stage with how things are moving forward now.
1: So the Olympic qualifiers for Oceania uh, in Auckland are in less than three months' time, and I guess that's probably the main focus now going forward. So you talk about credible match play and fitness. Uh, is there time between now and November to get some of that credible match play, and is there time between now and November to get the girls fitter in time for that tournament, which, of course, has so much riding on it?
0: Yeah, well, it'll probably have to be a coach. approach, we definitely have our pool of Manusina players in New Zealand that really want to buy for positions for Manusina. We're going to in, in, encourage them to do their absolute best to get themselves in a position for trialling for Manusina 7th. Definitely for us back in Samoa, it's a bit harder to get credible match play, and we've got to get more innovative with that. We, we can always play the boys just after seeing the way the girls, and some of these women were playing here. It may be a good thing to start encouraging some of our girls to uh, play with at least um, the under-18s or some other boys' teams that you know, will give us the sort of toughness that we need um, at this level.
1: So you talk about uh, some of the players in New Zealand. The the team you've got over in Dublin at the moment, are they all based in Samoa or do you have some players that are based elsewhere?
0: We've got three players based in Auckland, two ex-Manusina players from the 15 squad that went to the World Cup last year. And uh, one that did trial, so they're, they're not new to Manosina.
1: Is there any other international tournaments or, or, or local club tournaments between now and November that the girls will get a chance to play in?
0: We've got uh, local tournaments coming up, but the level of match play that we'll need to make a difference is is probably beyond um, what we have locally apart from giving them general general uh, play fitness. We do have an opportunity to defend ourselves in the Barn Bay 7th in a couple of uh, tournaments in Brisbane. But again, resources are a little bit scarce for us, so we, we, we've we got to find some innovative ways to get ourselves match fit. In terms of um, actual fitness, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that ourselves in Samoa. For us, it's been an eye-opening um opportunity seeing just what other women have done in terms of improving their rugby in such a short period of time. For example, Ireland, um, they've improved greatly and they have uh, qualified for the um, HSBC um, World Rugby Series coming up, so good on them.
1: That's the manager of the Samoa women's sevens team, Tolia Fowa Mara Hunter. Vanuatu beach volleyball duo Milipata and Linlin Matuatu have finished an impressive fifth at the Long Beach Grand Slam in California. The duo lost to Germany in three sets in the quarterfinals, a day after upsetting the top ranked team in the world from Brazil. Their fifth place finish matches their best effort at a World Tour event. And former Samoa fullback Paul Williams has been named in the Barbarians squad to take on the Manu this weekend in the first rugby match staged at London's Olympic Stadium. Fiji-born flyer Tengale Naya Ravoro is also included after missing out on Australia's World Cup squad. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.